Hello, and welcome back to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 68. Today, Brian and I are returning to our series on Ephesians and diving into the second half of chapter four. In this section, Paul outlines a way in which we should put off the old self. It's a list of ways we shouldn't act, and just as importantly, how we should act as the church. The importance of this, as Brian points out, isn't just about abstaining from what is wrong, it is about doing what is right. It's a great conversation. The Bistro is a labor of love for Brian and I, but it does cost money for us to produce. So if you're enjoying the podcast, we have set up a Patreon account, which allows you to contribute financially to the podcast to help with our costs. If you become a monthly contributor, not only will you be helping us continue the podcast, but you can also get yourself some Bible Bistro swag, like a coffee cup or t-shirt. You can find a link to subscribe at the top of our website, thebiblebistro.com, and also in the show notes. We do appreciate your support. If you can't financially support us, you could also support the Bistro by simply sharing the podcast with others. All right, let's jump right into our conversation looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Ryan. Good to see you. <laughs> I came in here flying high with some energy. I mean, flying high. Hey, Brian. Hey, Ryan. <laughs> let's start off. No. <laughs> No, I need everyone to know <laughs> that you, uh, Brian urged me, I'm, I'm looking at this camera right now. Brian urged me as we begin, you know, come in with some energy and I'm like, all right, let's do it. Right. And I did. And you all heard what well, I got well, in what response. They, what, what our viewers and listeners did not see is the amount of effort that I had to put into you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> anyway, no, I. It's good. It's always a good. It's always a good day to be in the bistro. <laughs> yes, and we're matching today. Yeah, I'm that. at the job site because I'm wearing a Carhartt, and you just got off the river because you're in an Eddie Bar fishing. Well, you shirt. know, it's it's good. Well, it's actually a little hot for fishing today. So. It is a little hot here. Yeah. We're we're scorching heat index of 107. So you know, if you, if you don't like heat. Follow the, the, follow the Lord. Stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, okay. I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> or stay out of the kitchen. All yes, right. God's kitchen. So what's been going on with your eye? Anything it's been busy? Happening? Been flying okay. around, shooting wow. some video. Yeah. 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 World traveler. And there's some news we may have be yes, upcoming uh, about. Hopefully in October I'll be taking a trip. Well, more later on. Okay. That. Yeah, more later on that. And to uh, some lands that are not frequently traveled. But are related to the bible so we'll just we'll kind of leave that out there and see very related to the bible yeah it should be centrally located should be cool very cool i'm excited about that yes actually yes that's all good so we are it's hot yeah i've been traveling but we're in the bistro we're in the bistro what have you been we're still drinking coffee you've been i was in nashville this weekend at a kind of a geeky concert but uh you know (laughs) yes because you've told me like you know this name and i'm like no no You, you know, know this name? guy? He was on the stage. No, no I have, I have no, no idea. idea. But it was a lot t- of a lot of people related to Christian music back in the day. We'll see if any of our listeners relate to this. But Steve Taylor, uh, when I was a freshman in college, I just before I came to college, I bought his Meltdown album and uh, lots of great music he's put out over the year. But he did a super group way back in the day. 
uh, back in the early 90s, uh, he and uh, a couple of other people got together and put together a group called Chagall Guevara, and they were... <laughs> that's, a ma- that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. And uh, so, yeah, they did a one-off concert this this last weekend, and I was down in Nashville to see them at the Ryman Auditorium. It was a blast. Yeah. There was an after party, lots of... People from the past in Christian music were there. It's just a really yes. interesting and so, time. Uh, this is the only way that I knew who this person was, is that he was a writer <laughs> yeah, for, for Newsboys. A lot of the Newsboys. Uh, yeah. And there was an album called Take Me to Your Leader. Which he wrote and, like most of the songs um, on. He a, and, he and uh, another guy that was there over the weekend, yeah. And there they did a song, I remember very vividly, <laughs> that's about breakfast. Right. And reminding everyone... They that don't they serve don't break. serve breakfast well, in Steve, hell. Steve Taylor was kind of an iconoclast when it came to the Christian yeah. contemporary Christian music industry. And mm-hmm. anyway, yes. But if the, you know, I'll just put it this way: if you know, you know. <laughs> yes. When the big one finds you, hey, this song reminds you that they don't serve breakfast in hell. Steve Taylor, right Newsboys, right take there. me to your leader. If anyone wants to get on that beautiful, yeah, beautiful music. Yep. Well, anyway, anyway, we have riffed. <laughs> Longer than normal. Longer than but normal. But we're in Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 4. Yes. And we, so we're in the last half of Ephesians 4. Yes. We've taken about two weeks on each one of these chapters. Yeah. We've taken I our mean, time. It's, it's good. Well, Ephesians is a pretty, there's, it's pretty dense. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, I will, I, you know, I would say to our listeners, I've asked a couple of the people that I know that are that are faithful listeners, what do you think about doing a series through a book? Because we're kind of trying to decide we're, you know, we're within a few weeks of the end of this. And so what uh, what do you think about this? Do you, do you like like it when we go through this? Do you prefer mm-hmm. the one-off? So let us know. Okay, get yeah. out there and and respond. You can look on our on our website, or you can find us on on the uh, um, face page, face, face <laughs> Facebook page, page. MySpace page, <laughs> and respond. Yeah, we don't have a MySpace, but yes. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things that some people said, like, "Oh, I never know what I'm going to get," which some right. people liked, and some people were like, "Oh, I wish I could get a series yeah. to dig into so, it." So, and we, we probably going to do honestly do a little bit of both. We have some more interviews coming up. So we'll, excited we'll, about we'll that, return but, to our schizophrenia yeah. after this probably for a little for a bit. while anyway and in, into the summer yes okay so ephesians 4 17 through 32 is what we're going to be looking at today and if i were going to summarize this entire section uh, what i've called it is true holiness is the way i like to talk about this and and oftentimes when i talk about holiness i use this idea of true holiness um because i think we i i really think in our culture and in, in our time we have really strange ideas about what holiness looks like, what holiness means. Okay. Uh, we have churches that we call sometimes holiness churches. Oh, or, yeah. Or the popular terminology, we might talk about holy roller churches, which which tends to kind of be connected Charism. to charismatic Pentecostalism. Mm-hmm. But holiness churches, a lot of times, you might think of people who dress in a special way or maybe... The hair. The longer ha- hair for the Longer females. hair. They don't cut their their hair because they take seriously the verse in First Corinthians that talks about, you know, hair is a woman's crowning glory and... Um, you know, they wear they wear head coverings in prayer. You know, those kind of things. Uh, plain dress more plainly and that kind of stuff. Anyway, we have this kind of strange idea of holiness. I sometimes say we relate holiness to saints. Sometimes, you know, that's mm-hmm. a special category of holiness. But I've already talked about this. When we have the word saint, literally, it means the holy ones. And when when Paul's using it, when John uses it. It's really talking about Christians as a whole, the ones that God—holy simply means to be set apart. 
That's what the, the base root of the word means. And when he talks about the holy ones, he's talking about those who are set apart for the special purpose of being a part of God's people. Okay. That's really what it yeah. means. When he talks about a holy nation, uh, you know, that, that kind Just of thing. Just a set apart. Set apart people uh, for his purpose. You know, it's set apart for a purpose. It's not just set apart like, you know, I, I guess sometimes we have this idea of holiness like set apart like up on a shelf mm-hmm. <laughs> you know someplace like like where where mom would put the special china that nobody ever could use right but <laughs> but it's not holiness in that sense it's holiness in the sense of something that's set apart for a special use for a special purpose that that kind of thing so that's what this whole section's about and we're going to kind of see the first part of what we're going to talk about today is the negative side of it, and then we have the more positive side. So it's kind of like what, what I've said is kind of futility of life without Christ is, is what mm-hmm. Paul presents. And then he talks about what it looks like when we are in Christ, what it means to be putting on. He uses this term old self and new self. And so this is what it means to have a new self in Christ. So that's what we're going to look at today. Cool. So, Sounds good. Just look at verse 17 for me, if you would. Okay. And, and you're reading for NIV here. NIV. Is that correct? Yeah, okay. Yeah. You just want to do something. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So this insist again is a, is a, um, this is a, uh, command word imperative here that he uses this idea that this is this is what i want you to do just like we saw in the last episode if you listen to the episode on the first half of ephesians 4 and if you haven't you should go back and listen to it but if you haven't listened to that at the beginning of it he talks about this idea of living again but i said there that the metaphor is walking actually he says he says walk in this way so so if you think about the first half of the of the of the chapter it's kind of like walk this way but in this last half it's kind of like don't don't walk this way you know so here's no, here's yeah, how yeah. you should not live or here's mm-hmm. how you should not walk in this way and, and he talks about this idea of the futility don't walk like and, and here's this is kind of an interesting thing he says like the gentiles now when we use the word gentile here or it could could be translated the nations that's that's the way it's used in the old testament it's used typically in the Old Testament when you talk about the nations, you're talking about not the people of Judah or not not the people of Israel, the other nations that surround them. Gentile is kind of an interesting word here, though, because in the New Testament, we often take it to mean non, non-Jewish person, right? That, mm-hmm. That's kind of how we use it. But here, he would be writing to a church that would be primarily in an area that was primarily a Gentile area. So I, I guess my question here is, how is he using this word Gentile? Uh, and I think it's got to be a metaphor for basically non-believers here. The same way in the Old Testament that n- nations mm-hmm. would be those outside of God's people. Here he's using Gentile, not in the in the literal sense we would say, not in the sense of people who are who are not uh, born Jewish, who, who don't We're not have, ethnic Jewish, not ethnically Jewish. But I think he's using it instead as those who are non-believers. So don't walk like the Gentiles, or we could say it this way: the way that that you used to live before Christ is kind of mm-hmm. the kind of I think the idea and, that he has. And here. Paul does something like that in the beginning of Romans as well, doesn't he? Just talking about some of the things, some of the he creates kind of a character, the previous way of life, yes, and that I'm, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what, what were you thinking of? Did you have anything specific? Well, there just you like in, to... in Romans one, I was just thinking about that because that that's always one of the things is like. How how do we he talks about it's just kind of this caricature of right. those who do not follow god and sure. it's kind of labeled as gentile and right. so forth right but, you know i guess the question is is like how do we so do you think that that's you know i think that's hard to, to know because paul just uses the word gentile and sure. so like how do we yeah. know when he's talking about ethnic and an right. ethnic thing it's, or it's, or a a you know set apart people. yeah it's difficult and there's lots of debate over it now in the beginning of romans of course you have romans one romans two mm-hmm. um 
there he's he he I think he's there talking about Gentiles um and, and again both of them are kind of in some senses before Christ mm-hmm. but then he talks about but you Jews and, and so yes, right. so there's that contrast now there are some again there's some people who think he's using it kind of metaphorically there but I I take it there to be okay. to be you know, in a more uh, more a, literal, more literal sense. sense. Yeah, yeah I, so, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, but how do we? Yeah. So, I mean, do you have any? I would say contextually, you've got to look at it. So, so we always say you've got to look uh, at the 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 literary context is one of the things that we look at, and that's where I would say that you 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 learn that there. So, okay. we're right. just talking about the the importance of cultural. You know, that's where we're looking and understanding what the word means. But here he's using again. You think historically he's writing here to the to the again i'm not saying the church in ephesus but the area of asia minor which would have been primarily a gentile, gentile area. area not completely there would have been i think there would have been jewish people in the church but i'd say primarily a gentile okay. uh, congregations at this point yeah okay cool yeah so that's that's the first part of what we have there so so he's saying don't walk in this way and he talks about this idea of futility in other words it's 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 um it, it doesn't have uh, purpose. It, it it it's it ends in frustration. You might say that this purpose is thwarted, so to speak. That it's it's a futile way of life. It doesn't have an end. We might say end end in the sense of a goal or a purpose in in that in that way. So go ahead and read verse eighteen then, and and we'll see what yeah. it says. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Okay, so. Darkened here, and, and and I'll say again, thinking and understanding. We've talked about already in Ephesians. There are some people who think that that's the primary reason that the book of Ephesians is written is a, a, in, in in combat to this idea we talked about before of Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. He's talking about true understanding here. Here, here, I would take this to mean that thinking in a way or the way we we have uh, the the way the bent of our mind the way that we set our minds is the beginning of a holy life is is what i'm going to say here's the negative he's saying that they these gentiles or this gentile way of life is darkened in its understanding and again darkness is a metaphor uh, light often has to do as we talked about when we talked about revelation for example light has to do with um, knowledge or truth um, mm-hmm. You know, if you think about something that's illuminated, we we use those those kind of um, metaphors ourselves. That that uh, you know, we talk about light bulb moments even. Uh, but light has to do with understanding or knowledge. Darkness has to do with the idea of ignorance, we would say, or a lack of knowledge. And so he says here they are darkened in their understanding. Jesus uses. Uh, darkness and even blindness in the Gospels, you might say, for a metaphor for being uh, outside of the knowledge of, of God. And and that's what they say. They're darkened in their understanding, and they're separated from the life of God. And that's really the issue. That's the problem of sin, right, mm-hmm. is that it separates us from God. Uh, we are we are separated from God, and it says the life of God, I, I would say the, the life that comes from God, or he is the source of all life. Um, Paul says it elsewhere, and you mentioned Romans, so I'll mention Romans 3, where it says that that our sin has brought us to a point of death. That's what we have mm-hmm. earned from our sin. We're separated from the source of all life. So, so they're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is due, into them and that, uh, due to them, and it says, uh, due to the hardening of their hearts. And he's going to talk about this again in the next in the next verse as well. We'll go ahead and read the next verse, and we'll talk about these together. Yeah, verse nineteen. This is eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, so you and me together. 
Well, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll read them together. Here's 18 again. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Okay. So so this idea of thinking, and then he, he starts to talk about the hardening of their hearts. And, and there we have to kind of think about, you know, what is the idea of heart? Here and then he he talks about losing sensitivity, hardening of hearts and losing sensitivity. I, I understand these in similar kind of ways. So, so this we might I don't know if this is going to bother you or not, but we might use the word conscience here. We might use mm-hmm. the idea. Uh, I I might prefer the idea of will that that what you know what we will in our hearts, so to speak. So I, I think there's a progression here and and. You know, and again, I may be oversimplifying this, but when it comes to the lack of holiness, I think it begins with our thinking. We have a darkness in our understanding. In other words, our our understanding is incorrect. I'm just going to stop here for a moment and say this. That's why I think we do what we do here, right? Right. Um, We believe that it doesn't end with this, but it is crucial that we understand the truth of what God has revealed. And we, we, as we've said at the very beginning of this, this podcast, we believe that God's word is crucial for understanding what God desires from us, what He is, what He's teaching us, what He's He's doing in our in our, in the world and in our lives. It has to start with a foundation of knowledge. Now, that's not the end, right? right. Yes, and we get in trouble sometimes when we focus too much upon the head knowledge without the without the the transformation of life, right? But. I think we have to have that foundation. And, and, and the inverse is true, I would say, as right. well. It's like we focus on people's actions, not about them sure. understanding the, the, the wh- why. Right. And when know. I talk about true holiness, that's that's a part of what, what we're getting at. Ho- holiness, we think about a lot, a lot of times, I think it's a list of do or not don'ts, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I've said before, our lists are different depending on where, what country we live in, what part of the world we live in. We have this list. Well, if you're a good Christian, you would never do this. And usually it's the don'ts, right? That's mm-hmm. really what we define holiness as. Well, you would never do that. You'd never do this. And, and again, holiness, I think, has to do again with this transformation of life. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of show you in just a minute when we get to the positive side of this where that comes from, I think. But it begins, foundation both for, for the, the negative and also for the positive begins with our way of thinking. Uh, Paul, you keep bringing up Romans, so I'll keep mentioning it. I brought it, but... it up once. <laughs> you keep talking about Romans all the time. No. <laughs> but but this idea that that uh, the renewal that comes by the by the the tra- transformation renewing your minds right the transformation that comes from the renewing of our minds so I think that that that's where it has to begin uh, we have to learn uh, and that you know being a disciple of Jesus is is again it's not all knowledge but it there's a there's a teaching part of this in fact we're going to see a teaching word here in just a moment in the next verse he's going to use this so i think paul's emphasizing this idea of thinking and then there's this idea of will okay so so how we are thinking about the world translates itself into our conscience in, into into our sense of what is right and what is wrong mm-hmm. for us to do right uh, so thinking affects will or here hardening of our hearts and a losing of sensitivity 
here, I think in, in, in terms of, um, yeah, I've got I've got this band aid on my finger, right? You, you know, cut cut myself yesterday rum, you, rummaging around in my uh, in my duffel bag. Which Brian, Brian brought a duffel bag and just like everything was thrown in there. Well, whatever. But I my put a stick on it and was braided like a handkerchief, and he had a can of beans for dinner by a fire under the bridge. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole, that's a whole word picture. <laughs> So anyway, you think about touching a stove or something and burning your fingers, and yeah. you know how that you have that lack of sensitivity. You can no longer feel well. Yes. And that's that idea of a conscience. And, and even the scripture uses this idea of our conscience is seared, right? It, it, we can no longer, it no longer has a, a, a feel to it. And so that mm-hmm. idea, they've lost sensitivity, and therefore they give themselves over. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Again, Romans 1, you see similar language there. You keep bringing up. You, you're the one who brought it up. So it, it keeps coming I, up. Do my eyes keep saying Romans? Uh, you brought it up once. That's all it takes. I mean, then we can talk about Romans for a long time. But but, but this idea that we're thinking incorrectly and therefore our feelings, our, our, our hardening of our heart, uh, our, our way of understanding right and wrong, we've lost the sensitivity uh, to that. Um, even think about it this way. Part of conscience is is a feeling of, or how do I say this? Is a um, a response when we do something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when we when we do something that we know is not right, we have that feeling of guilt, and that's where conscience, I think, comes in. It can be a guide for us, uh, but if we have so. Um, I want to say seared our conscience so we no longer have that sense of right and wrong, then we'll do something, you know, and the action mm-hmm. follows. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm going with this. So thinking leads to will, will leads to, to action. action. This is right. the way I would understand it. Um, and so, and again, I'm maybe oversimplifying, but those three, I think, over and over in Scripture, you see them everywhere. This idea begins with the way that we think. Uh, it, it moves to our sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, not to oversimplify, it goes back to the Garden of Eden. Does that right or wrong come from above, or is it something that we create? I, I think that's the only two choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think either it is revealed from the Creator, Right for, for or, or at least someone greater than ourselves, mm-hmm. or it is something that we as a community decide. And, right. and the problem with we as a community deciding, we're going to get to this in in just a moment. Um, ultimately, I think it's gonna it's gonna end up in a might makes right. Right. If, if if there is no meta right or wrong that's right. coming down to Transcendent, us, we can call it. Yeah. that's coming down to us. Then you know we create. We try to create it ourselves. It comes from below. I mean, that's what yeah. we either. It's either from above or or it's it's. You know, we could use the word grassroots. I say if if, if you want, mm-hmm. but it it's something that is that is created and then imposed on the community. Now, the problem there, there's a couple problems even philosophically. I think with this is <laughs> if it is strictly from within community, then how do we continue to do things wrong? Um, you know, if we're simply deciding what is what is right and wrong, then you would think that we would decide to do the things that we do, right? Yes. And yet we consistently go against the, the very rules that we set. That's that's Romans. Right. Uh, that's what he says. You Jews, you who have the law, uh, yet when you point the finger, you continue to do the thing, very things that you're condemning others for doing, uh, is, is his point there, that you do not consistently keep the things that, that you, you know to be. You say are important. You, you're, you have the same problem. So so again, I think, I, I believe, and this is part of my, my understanding of Christianity, I 
believe that our sense of right and wrong has to come from from God. And that's why I think it's so important that we understand Scripture and we 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 don't go. I should have said this last week when we were talking about. Do you remember when it talks about uh, you know God gave us apostles and prophets and you know right. pastors and teachers. You know that idea so that the body of Christ members could be built up. You know, in order to be mature, not being tossed back and forth by Other every way. wind of doctrine, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's the idea here: is is right and wrong are not are not mutable; they're not changeable, right? They're not they're not constantly blowing back and forth. And, and even we've had some things here happen recently, right? In in our in our country, at mm-hmm. least uh, in the United States, where where you're seeing. Um, a, a vast disagreement with Christians on, on issues that in a previous generation I think would not have been a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's where I think, again, you have to think foundationally. Now, we can be incorrect in our thinking, and, and we have to constantly be monitoring to making sure, make sure that we are understanding this correctly. We need to hear, I believe, from a variety of different voices, as I've said before. Uh, we, we should not be dogmatic to think that we have the perfect, only answer. A perfect understanding, right? Now, now I think that we have a perfect source. I think the scriptures are a perfect source for our understanding, mm-hmm. but we have to constantly uh, recognize the fallibility of our own understanding. Right. Uh, and that's where I think we have to constantly sharpen one another and come back and, and, and look to make sure we're, we're doing yeah. this correctly. And I think, you know, as we think about some of those disagreements even in the church, it's yeah. like once you – if you can go back to the foundation of those disagreements, you realize sure. there is some of those foundational issues at play so. there. That it's, I think it's so. not it, it is about the source. I, I had a discussion just yesterday with someone. I won't even talk about the issue because but but it was it was a very good discussion and and but it, it went back to the meaning of of what this this text means and what these words mean. Mm. And, and this person had had you know had some knowledge was not not an ignorant person, but had had some. You know, heard some things that I think were being taught in order to get across a particular agenda, and uh, and and I went back and showed. Well, but here's what here's what this Greek word means in these other contexts. So how do we understand this then? You know, and, and again, it, that gets kind of geeky sometimes. But if the Bible, if the Bible is God's word revealed to us, mm-hmm. then as we said at the very beginning of this podcast, it is the foundation both for our belief and also for our practice, right? right. And so that's why we <laughs> we spend so much time right. parsing it and thinking about it. Anyway, Lossing Hall, and I, I, that was kind of a, a side tangent, but it's, yeah. this is important, important as we're talking about our minds being, you know, the mind being so important. So having lost all sensitivity says they've given themselves over to sensuality. So here's this idea of indulging the sense. I mean, sensuality is, is literally indulging the senses, right? Doing mm-hmm. what feels right, what what I, I you know, um, you know, I eat too much probably, you know, th- those kind of things, but, but indulging my sense of taste, my sense of touch, my, you know, all, all, all of those that. kind of things, the, the desires that I have, it's, it's giving into them. And so it, it, I think I like the translation here, giving themselves over to sensuality to indulge in every kind of impurity, uh, impurity in the, in, is it, for for Paul would have been an, a technical Old Testament term, mm-hmm. right? That had to do with those things. Pure 
to be pure and impure. There are certain actions and certain things that you did in the Old Testament that made you impure. Now, for Paul, those were no longer, it's no longer the, the kosher laws, let's say, or the, those kind of things that he's, he's primarily thinking about. But, but it's those things that are out of step with, um, with God's character, I would say, and God's nature, mm-hmm. uh, the idea of pure and impure. But, but I do want to spend a little time on this, and we could talk about impurity more if you want. But I, I find this fascinating, and I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this, for this particular session. And he says, and they are full of greed. Yeah, it's like a it's a tag on there. Isn't that interesting? But the number of times Paul uses that idea of greed is is pretty interesting. Um, you, you've got Romans. You still have Romans one there. Uh, I can pull, I can pull it up. I know oh, where it's look at, at Romans one twenty nine uh, is one place, and then Colossians three is the other. And I'll look up Colossians three. And it, Colossians three. Well, I'll go ahead and say this: what Paul does there. Well, go ahead. You got Romans yeah. 1 now. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. It, go ahead. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Okay, it, very interesting. That's, this is a vice list. Paul uses these, and a lot of times we'll talk about vice virtue lists. In fact, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, that's one of the things we're going to see there. But this idea of a vice list, but do you notice that idea, and, and you know, what, what was it, depravity and impurity and all, and, and greed? You know, mm-hmm. and here's my point is, I think, again, <laughs> this is why I think we have to understand what is important to God, right? What mm-hmm. God is teaching us through his word that we need to avoid, because greed for us doesn't seem like that big of a deal, mm-hmm. right? Right. And yet think about the number of times that Jesus uses money, money. and our use of money for illustrations. Sometimes he's talking about money other times he uses money as an illustration for you know for other things but that idea of greed uh, is, is an important idea is it so in this context is it directly tied to money like so for me like i kind of read that and kind of mm-hmm. going greed is kind of going they have every they indulge in every kind of impurity and they just want more and more and more and more and, and of so whatever it is so you're saying greed greed in the sense of yeah wanting more and more i think that I think that's the case. That's the basis of it. But I think it has to do with money as well. Mm-hmm. I think it has to yeah, do with right. that as well. Yeah, I'm not saying it was. I'm sure. just saying, like, is it only money or could it be all kinds of all things? All kinds of things. Right. So, so, yeah, it's wanting for ourselves, uh, you know, yeah, more than, than is necessary, I suppose we would say. So 3.5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever. This is Colossians 3.5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your to your um sinful nature, earthly nature, sexual immorality, that's the word pornia, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And that's an interesting phrase. In fact, there's a guy who's written an entire book on on just that phrase, uh, greed, which is idolatry. Brian Rossner is his name. But but that idea of, um, that idea of, uh, of greed, which is idolatry, idolatry in the Old Testament context, you got to think, is is kind of the opposite of belief in the true God, right? It's, right? it's worshiping idols. And so there's a way in which our desire for more, or our, our desire for, for, you know, taking to ourselves for our purposes things um, is akin to the Old Testament practices of worship worshiping 
pagan idols. Mm. That's what they're comparing it to. Uh, Keller, Tim Keller wrote a really great book. Um, if I can remember the name of it, uh, something like Greed, Sex, and Power, something to that effect. But but he, he talks about those are the big those are the big things, you know. And and mm-hmm. money for us is still a big deal now. Here's what I want to be clear, and I'm not. When I ever say this, I'm not trying to excuse our practices in North America. I don't think the accumulation of money or wealth itself is wrong if we are using it in, in a way that is in keeping with God's desires. So some of the people that are the most generous people that I know are wealthy. Are people. wealthy people, and I, and I've said this for years. I've known some people who are who are so focused upon their own needs even in poverty sometimes, that that it becomes a kind of greed. Mm. You see what I'm saying? It's yeah. a focus on making sure that I have mine before anybody else has what they need is, is kind of the idea. And, and, and so it, it, I think we can be generous people. I don't think it has to do with the dollar figure that we have in our bank uh, bank account. I think it's the way that we're using that and, and, and even the purposes for which we're using it. You know, I've been on the mission field, and and I know sometimes people get tired of missionaries asking for money. But all ministry, all ministry takes money, and especially in a foreign context. Mm, yeah. uh, and, and so there's there's a time in which you need those those funds, those access to those funds in order to do the work that God has called us to do. And we believe, we trust. So, so kind of the opposite of greed is that he will provide not only that, but more. In fact, we'll see, I, I won't talk too much about this because he, Paul's going to use this later, I think, as a specific example. He, 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 he makes a specific example about the positive side of this, the way we should be living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so anyway, greed, I just thought it was interesting to find find greed that, there. That, that's just tacked on there. Right. So all that has been futility of life without Christ. This is what it looks like um, to, to be outside of Christ. You're futile in your thinking. It, it results itself in a, in a will that is that is seared uh, in terms of right and wrong, is, is immune to, to that feeling, and mm-hmm. therefore... Um, people give themselves over to sensuality. I mentioned Romans 1, you see the same kind of thing earlier than verse 29 there, uh, where it's talking about, well, and you, you saw there, as you read, they get, they invent ways of doing evil, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's giving themselves to all of these different um, uh, just practices without regard to God's desire, without regard to the consequences, we could say, simply feeding our own desires is, is kind of what we're thinking about in those in those terms. So, Thinking leads to will leads to action is the way that I would say again that, that we see this practice. Now we're going to transition and, and kind of look at what it means to be a new self in Christ. And I'm going to have you read this actually in two different versions. Uh, I use the NIV a lot. In this case, I think that that th- this is I'll I'll, I'll be um, frank that this is a pretty difficult sentence to, to get across. But I think the NIV makes it a little softer here in the first part. Doesn't get across quite the strength with which Paul makes this transition. But go ahead and read verse chapter four, verse twenty. There's a there's a big and the NIV. In the NIV first, there's a big um, contrast here. Uh, there's a word that's used that that brings contrast yeah. here to begin with. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. Okay, so that 
you know, mm-hmm. it, however, there's the, there's the big transition. So, so here's the futility of life in Christ for the Gentiles. You know, don't, don't walk like the Gentiles do. Mm-hmm. But now read it in the because because they they really they miss two big words here I think that are important mm-hmm. read this this is the ESV English Standard Version mm-hmm. captures it here uh, and we've talked before by the way we have a, a episode very early on where we talk about the different kind of translations and so here's the difference between a, a dynamic uh, translation to one that is that is uh, attempting to be more more word for word kind of translation so here's the ESV uh, all right this is verse twenty. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Okay, and that's more literal here. So the two words here are learned, um, which is that I, I told you that verb was going to come up in just a minute. Mm-hmm. So, so that's not how you learn. So, so ter- terms of the thinking, right? That's not how you learn. But it's interesting. He says that's not how you learn Christ. And if you notice, Christ is not even in. Now they use it in the next verse in right. in the NIV, but. Um, they use that word Christ in the next verse, but that's not how you learned Christ. And, and here, I, I want you to just think for a minute. Let, let's let's put your Bible down. Okay, we're just, just, thinking, I'm just we're, thinking. We're just thinking for a minute, right? Okay. What it, well, what do you think it would mean to learn Christ when when he's talking here to these people in Asia Minor? To what it would it mean for them to learn? And then an interesting kind of word to mm-hmm. learn a person, right? Right. What do you what do you, what kind of things do you think that that would have to do with? Uh, I mean, to learn Christ, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it's the mimicking, like his desires, okay. like learning what, what are Christ's desires for, for, for us. Okay. Um, I think there is, I think there's knowledge, you know, sure. I, I think this goes back to kind of the knowledge, you know, heart and so forth. Right. As we, we went back, uh, in chapter three, we talked about, or was it, no, it's it, the beginning part of this Three, where we yeah. had, or four, oh, yeah. we talked about like the different roles and we had the, oh, yeah. the preachers, sure. you know, the teacher and, teachers yeah. and so mm-hmm. forth. So I would say it's, um, you know, Paul teaching, learning what it means to, um, you know, his learning about his life and, okay. and, and what he desires of them. Okay. Very good. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. So, so to learn Christ, I think part of it is what you're saying. So, so. Um, the teachings of Jesus, we, we mm. sometimes will talk about, you know, people say the Sermon on the Mount and that kind of thing. But I think to learn Christ would also mean to learn the stories of his life. Mm-hmm. You know, again, and, and I think we sometimes lose sight of this, that, that these people uh, who are hearing these first generation Christians in some of these places are hearing these stories about Jesus and they're being asked then to follow him to to give mm-hmm. their life to this person that they've heard these stories about right mm-hmm. but then as you were getting at i think there it also has to do with you know learning uh, learning in a in a um, oh an action sense as well to follow his example yeah it's it's one thing to hear it and sure. kind of go oh that's good it's another thing to kind of go what does that mean for me and i think both of in those in my context yeah, again as i've been saying both of those are crucial so we have to learn. We have to learn the stories of Jesus' life. Mm-hmm. We have to learn, and it's not just memorizing his teachings, right? It's also mm-hmm. the stories of his life, how he acted, how he responded to uh, criticism, how he responded to opponents, how he responded to people who were outcasts, mm-hmm. right? So, so we learn from his example, and then it, it's putting it into practice. That's not how you learn Christ. And again, he's talking about a walk, right? But isn't that interesting how the NIV, and it, again, they're not they're not wrong. It's just I think it's a little bit weaker here. Uh, by the way, the same way that in, in the in the first half that we talked about the emphatic 
I. Here it's an emphatic, but this is not how you learn Christ, right? Mm-hmm. It's the contrast with what he's talked about with the futility of life of the Gentiles, but you mm, have learned gotcha. a different way, and you've learned Christ in, in, in this way is, is, is the way that we would, uh, we would perhaps put it. So go ahead then um, uh, with, uh, with verse uh, verse 21. Go ahead and 21 and 22. Let's read both of those NIV? together. Yeah, NIV is fine. Yeah. Okay. 20 22. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Okay, stop there. And then we may come back to 22 and 23 together. But, but the truth that is in Jesus. So that's what I was talking about. You learn Christ and you learn this truth that is in Jesus. Now, Jesus, especially in Gospel of John, I think about chapter 19, where he stands before Pilate, right? Mm-hmm. Are you a king? Uh, well, you know, who told you that? Well, your people, you know, they're the ones who said it. Uh, and, and he says this, he says, he says, uh, uh, all who are on the side of truth, you know, come to me, basically, that this is the reason I have come into the world. Uh, all of those who are on the side of truth, listen to me. And of course, Pilate responds, well, what is truth, right? <laughs> right. So, so, so here's this idea, the truth that is in Jesus. And Jesus earlier uh, says, I am the, you know, when Thomas is questioning him, how do we know the way to the Father? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So, so this idea of the importance of truth. John, the reason I mentioned John, of course, not only because I always mentioned John, but <laughs> but the concept of truth is very important in, in the Gospel of John. The idea that that we understand things that are true. Um, <laughs> the fancy way I sometimes say that I always say that John is the most epistemologically aware of the Gospel writers. In other words, he 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 is the one who pays attention to how we come to knowledge or how we come to know the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's I see that throughout the Gospel of John in a number of different ways. The witness theme, the testimony idea. All of this is in the Gospel of John, and it points to this idea of how we know things. And so here, Paul says, you didn't learn Christ this way. Uh, you you need to know the truth that is in Jesus, basically. This is how you've come to know the, the truth that is in Jesus. And you were taught, and again, it's not just head knowledge, to put off the old self. Okay, that's that's kind of that Gentile way of living, that the old way of thinking. The the you're you're putting off your old self, which is corrupted by its deceitful desires, in order to put on the new self. So go ahead back and read verses twenty two and twenty three. Uh, actually, <laughs> twenty two through twenty four. Now let's take that jump. Yeah, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Okay, there's that idea of true righteousness and holiness. So so a couple of things I'll say in regard to this. You put off your old self. This is the transformation that takes place. Now, it's not an immediate trans- transformation, but it does have to have a beginning. I think when we first start coming to Christ, we recognize it's not just a matter of saying, oh, I, you know, yeah, I believe, but it has to show itself in the way that we're living our lives. Uh, it does. That's not the end of it. Right. But but that is the beginning of it. There has to be a beginning to that transformation that takes place. I said before, I think the Holy Spirit, um, what we often call sanctification, this process by which we're being transformed, is a long life lifelong process uh, mm-hmm. in, in which we go. But but uh, we put off the old self. It, notice it says 
it's being the, the desires that 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 are um, deceitful, right? Uh, our old self is being corrupted uh, by the deceitful desires. So uh, even the things that we want is kind of lying to us, right? Telling us, and that's where we can't trust. I think any right and wrong that comes from below. Do you see what I'm saying? We're, we're going to lie to ourselves about what is what is it we really want, our, our our desires, right? If we just give ourselves over, and that's the sensuality and all those kind of things. We're um, you and I are reading a couple of books that, that talk about this, <laughs> yes, right? Right, yeah, right. Uh, we're not reading at the moment, but but we're su- I read. We're supposed to be and reading. You got I'm, behind I'm, on. I'm behind. I'm behind. But uh, talk about the age in which we live, and and this idea that we're we have a desire now for authenticity, for being mm-hmm. the people that we want to be, rather than than having um, any kind of a what we say a morality that comes from above this kind of thing it's it's an authentic self right it's all emanating from within us and 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 individual rather Mm -hmm. than rather and the need for the world to authenticate ourselves at the same time so you know and that's that's a change that's taken place and that's one that's that's very difficult for us to to deal with as christians today we're we're in this place where if we question according to to uh, any kind of a higher standard and, and when I say higher, I'm talking about a transcendent. And what, in other words, one that God has revealed. If we begin to question anyone's life based on this, well, we're we're suddenly hypocritical. Or who are uh, we to judge? It, it, who are we to judge? Or you know that well, that's a fine standard for you, but it's not for me. And and, and don't get me wrong. There's practical ways in which we we. Um, you know, we need to be careful in the way that we live that out. We've screwed it up in the past. The <laughs> well, church has many and we times, can, and we continue, continue to, to do, mess it up, right? Yeah. But, but I think we we we're in this time where we've got to be very careful about making sure that, again, foundationally, we understand mm-hmm. where, where we're coming from, and we're able to communicate that well. And and you know, we're always going to be hypocritical. This is this is Romans. Uh, you know Romans chapter four, uh, or chapter three, where we're all gonna gonna not live up to the standard that God has set for us. All all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, uh, and that goes back to something else we're gonna say in just a minute. But um, but we 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 have to be um, honest. I think about that, and and you know. Try to communicate this in a way that that's going to be meaningful in, in the culture and the world in which we live. That's that's our our task. That's what we've been called to mm-hmm. is to uh, share the gospel, share the good news of what God has done in Christ, um, and 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 a part of that is the transformation of our lives that takes place through the power of the Holy Spirit. But anyway, so. It says here uh, to be made new in the attitude of our minds. So again, it begins, I think, with thinking. I think that's always got to be the first. We 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 understand, we comprehend the truth, we we seek out the truth, uh, we read, you know, the truth of God. All all those things are very important, and it, it's not just a New Testament concept. Um, the you know the foundational verse. If, if you have one foundational verse for the the Old Testament people of God, it would be what what we call the Shema, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. And, and then it goes on in, in the first time that he talks about that in Exodus to say, teach these things to your children. You know, in, in other words, this is such a foundational truth that you need to continue to teach it. For us, I think it is that Jesus is none other than the Old Testament Christ, the the Messiah that we have we have awaited. Uh, he, he is the one who is both the Redeemer uh, and also the one who now is God Himself. 
who has the authority. Uh, and therefore, you know, when we say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, you know, we need to learn well what, what that means, right. yeah. uh, that he is both our Lord and our Savior. He is the one who has the authority over us in order to say this is what I expect of you or want from you. And so I think that's what Paul is saying here. We have a change in our mind uh, to put on the new self. This is the image of like clothing, right? To, to put on the new self like, like clothing. Um, created to be like God. Okay. Now, that I think that's what creation says, right? When mm-hmm. you say created to be like God, what does that make you think about? What what Old Testament passages does that call to your mind? In Genesis. What does it say in Genesis? Uh, made an image of you okay. Know, let us likeness. make let us make man. humanity. Let's make man in our own image, male and female. He created them in His image. So so we were created. And this is this is always kind of the the conundrum here, right? We were created to be like God, right? Mm-hmm. But then Satan comes along and says, you know, well. You'll have a knowledge of good and evil, right? If you mm-hmm. eat of this fruit of the tree that 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 God said you shall not eat it, you'll have a knowledge of good and evil, and and, and so there's a way in which He's calling us to be like God, but in a different way. To be gods ourselves is the way that I would put it. I, I think that that the story of the fall, and the if you want to say that there is a a, a foundational. Uh, place for for from which sin springs, it, it, it's this idea of, of wanting to decide for ourselves what is right and wrong, and that's that's where we still are today. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead of instead of you know here we had the received word right where we had the revelation from above, you can have any of these other things. And again, notice the positive: eat eat fruit from the tree of any of the trees in the garden, but not the ones in the center of the garden, right? Uh, because on the day you you eat of it, you'll die. And, you know, serpent questions God's revelation. Did God really say that? And, and, and says that, here's the way I often put it, that what is truly to be desired is in what God has forbidden rather than what God has permitted. And, and I think that describes where we are, right? Say that again. Uh, that, that what is truly to be desired is in what God has forbidden Rather than what he has permitted, that that's the lie that's of the, the serpent. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, you see, what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that that oh, you'll know you'll know good and evil then, right? Um, and really, it comes down to to the sin. There is deciding for uh, themselves, uh, Adam and Eve deciding for themselves what what to do, rather than listening to God's voice. And, and my point is, it's it, again, I'm oversimplifying, but it's the same today, right? Um, we desire to do what what has been forbidden rather than has been permitted. Um, you know, the old grass is always greener on the other side. Of the side. Oh, yeah. Thing, right. So anyway, um, he, he goes on. He says this, that we were created, though, to be like God uh, in true righteousness and holiness. And, and I'll simply say this, that I understand holiness to be that uh, holiness is that we are um, putting on. Well, we put on Christ, right? The new self. Uh, it, it is it is taking the characteristics of God for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the things that God loves, we love. The things that God abhors, we abhor. Um, the things that God would have us do, we do. You know that mm-hmm. we are like Him. We we want to. So so we want to be like Jesus. 
and, and what Jesus is is the perfect demonstration of what it means for a human to to be in the image of God. Mm-hmm. He's the sinless the sinless example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, is it in, in this context of like dealing with sin? You know what I mean? Uh, never mind. This is it, yeah. Go just ahead. Strike that from the record. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, holiness then, true holiness is not okay here we go here's what i'd say is holiness true holiness is not in the things that we avoid but it is in doing the things that are in keeping with the character and nature of god mm-hmm. you, you see what i'm saying yeah and then paul is going to give us an entire example of this 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 passage in ephesians is what changed my mind if, if you go back to when we talked about sin it's been a long time ago since yeah. we had that episode but if you go back to the episode we talked about sin this is really the basis of it um, this is where i first kind of when i was reading this and studying this i first understood that it, it is that that living to be like god true holiness true holiness is really about the things that we do Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, there. Just to just to rehearse briefly, uh, I said that there there are two ways to talk about sin. We can talk about sin in a robust sense that it is something, or it is a it Nothing. is it is an absence, right? An absence mm-hmm. of the good, and this is where I'm convinced that sin is an absence of the good. So here are the examples. Let me go ahead and read this. Verse twenty five. Therefore. Okay, see how that connects with what goes yeah. before? So we're living true holiness, righteousness. We're being like God. This is what we're called to, not the futility of our thinking, right? But instead, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, okay, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So the real thing there, the holiness there, I think is speaking truth Truthfully. to our neighbors, right? Mm-hmm. When we... When the old self, falsehood is an absence of truth. Speak, you know, you know, failing to speak truth is the way we might put it. That's what it is to lie. Now, here's why I think that's important. When we focus upon the negative, first of all, that's where we head to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like when I think I've used this illustration before, but when I was learning to ride a motorcycle. Uh, the, the instructor said, your motorcycle will go whatever direction you look. Same with a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And so we were taught to look into the turn where we were wanting to go. And and when we talk, when we focus on the negative, right, that's that's kind of, as Paul says in Romans, since you brought it up, uh, this is what this is what teaches us what, law is what teaches us what sin is. You know, mm-hmm. when we have all these thou shalt nots, we're like, oh, well, I didn't know that was a possibility. But, <laughs> right? Yeah. So... So we focus on the negative, but here the idea is we speak truthfully. That's that's one reason I think it's important. Focus on the positive. Holiness is taking on positive attributes to be like God. That's over. That's overturning those effects of the fall. I think. The other part of it is uh, is this is there's a false kind of holiness that I think we've seen throughout certain aspects of Christian history that we would say, well, if I really want to follow this closely, I'm not going to speak at all. Mm, right? right. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make sure I not, not don't lie. I'm just not gonna say anything. That's not. That's not holiness. Holiness is speaking truth. Mm. That that's the thing that God wants from His people, right? Uh, and, and so that's what we need to be about. So it, it's almost like the the parable of Jesus. If we want to think about the truth of Jesus in this, where where we talk about the, the parable, the, pe- the the talents, which mm-hmm. is a financial thing, right? But it's not taking our talent and burying it in the ground, right? But it's taking it and using it, you know, using that 
financially there in that sense for for the good, for the positive. So this idea of speaking truthfully. Look at the next verse, 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on you. Uh, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So this idea of anger, you know, again, not, not having anger, but then it says, and, and, and giving the devil a foothold, by the way, is, is I think this idea that in our anger, uh, it can lead to sin if we're, if we're angry with our neighbor. But then in verse 28 says this, anyone who has, who has been stealing must steal no longer. Okay. We, we know that that's, that's one of the commands. Do not steal. Um, but must work doing something useful with their hands so that they may be able to share with those who have need. So remember we talking about the opposite of greed then uh, it isn't not ha- isn't poverty. It's giving to those in need. It's working so that you have gen- you can be generous. Mm-hmm. So God's character, God's nature is generous, right? He's been mm-hmm. generous to us. He's a gift-giving God, right? He's given to us in Christ. You know, we have all these things. If we're going to be like him, then we have to work in order to be generous with the things that God has given to us. So you see the opposite mm, there. Yeah. So greed isn't a matter of not having things. Greed is a matter of understanding that we work hard for the things we have. We don't steal them. We work hard for the things that we have so that we can be generous with others. Then we can be holy. Then we can be like Christ. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So here's the, here's the, 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 the final one. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Right. Again, we could take a vow of silence and and get that covered, but there's the there's the but, right? Mm-hmm. But only what is helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So we're not commanded not to talk, but we're commanded to talk in a way that will help build one another's up, build up one another's up. Same thing that we saw back in the first part of this, where it talks about the importance of having pastors and teachers and and those who are building up the body of Christ, right? That we're being equipped so that the body of Christ could be built up. Uh, And and so the words that we speak, uh, we sometimes will say this, we need to speak words of life to one another, right? Instead of cutting one another down, instead of uh, slandering and devouring one another, right? Instead, we use our words in a way to build up one another. Now... Do we want to talk about that? So, so let's talk about social media, for example. Is <laughs> is is the right thing for us to do? And I, and I think you know, I don't know. If there's a right answer to this, but is it that we absence ourselves from social media, or is it that we try to use social media in a way that we understand will build up one another? Mm. Do you see see the difference there? Um, I don't so, know. I, don't, I have a hard time seeing any social utility well, out of social I, media. I mean, I get it. But, you know, <laughs> at the same time, I, I again, another conversation I just had over the weekend with someone talking about what incredible things have, have happened to them in terms of connection with relationships and reconnecting with people and praying for one another. And, you know, mm-hmm. th- there there are positive things that happen as a result of social media. Um, it, it, it's like any tool, right? Mm-hmm. But but again, just like just like the garden. Look at all this wonderful fruit you have, and then and then the serpent says, "Ah, but you really want this," and I think it's the same with with that as an example. Um, th- all the fruit is to have is to have you know positive comments, positive things, not unwholesome, but wholesome things come out of our mouths that will build up one another, and instead, the forbidden fruit is what attracts our eye. 
more fun to talk about somebody or to cut someone down or to, you know, mm-hmm. um, that that's what's that's what's desirable to us or you know what we want to be. That's not how God is, right? That's not being like God then. So true holiness, I think, has to do with us taking on the character and nature of God. And it happens in exactly the same way that we saw the negative example. I think it has to begin with our thinking. So we make sure we're putting into our minds the things that will um, help uh, shape us to be like what God desires of us. Mm-hmm. And, and then we we shape our will to want to do the right thing. Okay. Um, there's this old saying about, you know, do, do the, do the things and the feelings will follow, right? Do the right, right thing and the yeah. feeling will follow. And there's, there's some truth to that. I'm not, I'm not denying that, but I think we, you know, we have to unsear our conscience, so to speak, right? We have to, uh, again, become sensitive to our conscience. We have to begin to understand, again, the, the things that we do have an effect on the community in which we live. Uh, living, <laughs> living an authentic life is living a life in community, hmm. right? It's not, uh, it, it's not um, saying, well, everything has to revolve around me and, and my desire and my want, but it's understanding that my what I have been given and where I've been placed has an effect and an influence on my family, on my community, on my, you know, if you're a believer, on my church community, that, that there is an influence and an effect I have in that. So, so again, it's the same thing. Thinking, will, and then that results in action is the way I would mm-hmm. say. And the sanctification of all three are necessary. Sanctification of the mind, sanctification of the will, and then sanctification of action is the way that I would, uh, I would understand this. Now, here's what's really interesting. This is a passage that people ask me about a lot. Um, so it says this, the next thing, this is verse 30. Uh, you know, so again, we're, we're taught building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So being sealed by the Holy Spirit, again, when we become believers, we believe that the Holy Spirit begins to, to, to live within us and begins to transform us. We've talked about how that draws us together in unity, like we saw uh, back earlier in the book of Ephesians. But, but here's the other thing is, what does it mean to grieve? And grieve is the idea of to cause pain to, you know, to, to, mm-hmm. to cause to be sad. What does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, I think it means working against this process of sanctification, Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of people who answer that, but if you look at it in context, it's talking about our holiness, and we grieve the Holy Spirit when we are not, um, not. I don't want to say this. We're not pre- preparing our hearts, our minds, hearts, and our hands. Let's say we're not preparing those uh, for the Holy Spirit to to transform, but instead we're we're working against His work. Mm-hmm. I think what God wants. I think what he desires of us, what what he or or his desire for us is that we take on his character and his nature and we become um, extensions, if you will, of of his work for good. We we become followers of Jesus, right? And we carry mm-hmm. on his mission that he began. Uh, and, and we and you know people like this. I wish I could be more like the Christians and I know that you they come into the room and they just make you feel better. They're 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 life giving, right? They mm-hmm. they say things that are encouraging to you. Um, they they are willing to serve 
you know, they're they're willing. They they know the right things to do. It, it, it seems to come naturally to them. I'll tell you, I, I don't think it does. I think this is an, just an example of someone who's been walking a long time and allowing the Holy Spirit transformative power within us. I'll often say this as well. We can't force change. Uh, I, I think all we can do is prepare ourselves. Uh, you know, be, be to to be fertile soil for change, mm-hmm. and the Holy Spirit is the one who ultimately affects the change in us. Um, we have to be open to that and not resistant to it. I think, but then the Holy Spirit uh, transforms us and, and and changes us. Finally, then it says this, and this is a very short vice virtue list, is what I would say. Paul has longer ones. Um, Fruit of the Spirit's an example of a vice virtue list, okay. and all it is, it's a it's a it's a philosophical thing that was going on in his day. Um, the philosophers his day use this kind of thing. It's like, have these kind of actions, don't have these kind of actions. You know, that's, right. that's just something that they would do. So here's what he says, get rid of. So these are vices. So get rid of these things. Bitterness. <laughs> that's a huge one for me. Yeah. This is the idea of holding on to grudges, we could say, having having this sense of just negativity about the way things are. Bitterness, rage, and anger. And we we recognize that it's the idea of being mad. <laughs> Again, Christians on social media, be careful. <laughs> yes. get rid of rage and anger. Right, brawling, uh, being quick to fight, slander is using our 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 words in order to cut down another person to speak ill of another person. So mm-hmm. brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. This is this is a. Evil feelings toward another person, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you know? Get rid of those things is what Paul's saying. Get those out of your heart. You know, uh, uh, transform your mind, transform your will, so that you no longer have these things. Uh, I've often heard people, and this is an Old Testament passage. Sometimes we might talk about this being misused, but bitterness can become a very can become very deeply rooted in us if we're not careful. And uh, mm-hmm. but then here's the positive. Here are the virtues. Be kind. Right, so be just just have kindness toward action, uh, kind actions toward one another. Be uh, compassionate to one another. Compassionate means literally compassion. You can see it there. It means I have the same feelings, right? I and 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 here's here's the thing I would say. It's not like oh, I know how you're feeling, but I want to try to understand how you're feeling so that I know what you need from me as my brother or sister in Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. I I want to try to come alongside of you and, and walk alongside of you. So be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Okay. Even as uh, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So to forgive, as we've seen elsewhere, forgive in the same way that God has forgiven you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And you think about the need that we have for, for forgiveness, and, and and this reminds us of the need that each of us have for forgiveness from one another as well. That even when we are wronged, we need to be uh, able to forgive. Uh, is one of the things that he has he's said here. Now, I don't think forgiveness here means excusing behavior, uh, but I, I do think it means a recognition that we we all are going to fail. Uh, we are all going to uh, not live up to the glory of God. Again, we're trying to be like God, right? All of sin and falling short of his glory means that we, at times, will not attain that. Well, often we will fail to, to attain that. But we, 
in, in a Christian community, we continue to strive together and we continue to try to support one another, I would say, in that striving toward uh, taking on the character of Christ. And the best Christian communities, that's what you see. You see us kind of encouraging one another along the way in whatever way we can, uh, you know, rather than discouraging. Yeah. So that's the end of that chapter. Any any thoughts or any questions or comments uh, on that? No, I, you know, I think I, I really like the, the pointing out of the... It's not. It's not about what you don't do. It's it's what you do. Like right. that. Just the position, because I think sometimes we do focus so much yeah. on the what not to do, and yeah. we don't think. Oh, well, if I don't do that, it, there is something for me to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's, not, it's not saying that there are not things that we're going to get out of our life, and Paul makes this clear: bitterness, rage, brawling, those kind of things have no place in our life. But yeah, there's there's a way to replace that with something positive. Yeah, yeah. That, that it's not just it's not just removing something; it's yep. putting something in its Absolutely. place. So, I think that's really good. I, I really like that because I think it's like I'm going to I'm not quite saying this. I say this every episode, but just kind of you know we can read through this quickly and sure. say like I'm not supposed to be act like that. I'm supposed to act like that. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of comes back to sometimes where we want to put our actions before our mind you right. know what i mean like right. we want to make sure my actions are right because yeah. that that that's the real signal of my heart kind and of I, going no no it's your mind and your heart and then yeah. it's instead of those actions they're filled those those gaps in my life where i was angry or malice or right. speaking out is filled with something else right that comes from yeah i'm understanding what it is that god wants me to do to be generous for example mm-hmm. uh to to speak truthfully you know all the, all those kind of things to to ex- practice hospitality you know all, all the positive things we can think and again that goes back again the, the episode on sin uh sin are those things that are opposed to the nature and character of god so if we're taking on the nature and character of god that's what true holiness looks like yeah holiness is engaging with the world it is yeah it's not cloistering ourselves and hiding away like going oh i don't want to do that i've done this Mm -hmm. it's an interaction with the world but an interaction with the world in a in a way that reflects the nature of of god we're we're bringing we're bringing the goodness of the kingdom Mm. to to bear in the world itself yeah absolutely that i think you said that very well it's an it's an engagement with the world not a separation from the world and so that affects the decisions we make about how you know and, and it's hard I mean, in certain cultures and certain times. Now, you know, we sometimes want to make it seem like it's harder for us than it's ever been. But you know, this is this is the mm-hmm. Roman Empire. You know, that Paul's talking to, yeah. and you and, can engage the world well. You don't yeah. have to do it on social media. <laughs> Right. Yeah, sure. I just use that as an example. I, yeah, you know, I'm not, not saying you can, there's yeah. no social utility and that you can't connect <laughs> with people. I'm just saying it's hard to, yeah. I think, for people to get the sense of compassion or feel, because, you know, it's so easy yes. for everyone to twist words. And, you know, it's like, yeah. I remember this in the early days of email. Right. You'd type something out and like, oh, I don't mean it this way. And then someone reads on the other side based yeah. on where they're at. And they're like, right. you know, they lose it. It's not really communication, but. Exactly. And that's the, I think we need to be careful in that. Yeah. We need to, we, again, part of compassion is understanding how people are going to hear us and understand us. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is great, Brian. I really appreciate it. Good. I hope we'll we'll continue through the Ephesians and see see what uh, see what people think and see maybe <laughs> we've we've already done it, so we're, we're finishing it at this point. So <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Brian. I really appreciate we'll it. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. See you. Bye bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are looking at the concept of redeeming our time in chapter five of Ephesians. We hope you will join us for that. Thanks again for joining us at the table. We will be back Tuesday. Tuesday.